Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Riordan Inverse read-along podcast and analysis that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today we do what no mere mortal can handle alone anymore. Watch and review Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief movie, the longest title in movie history. But don't worry, I am not alone. Today, joining me is my very good friend and this podcast musician, as well as one in his own right, it's Taylor Paisley French! Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> How goes it? It is going Let's good. Let's do this. Literally, guys, does he not have the best voice for podcasting that you could literally ever hear? <laughs> And in the red corner, <laughs> you can make it like <laughs> in the blue corner and in the red corner. I mean, considering I just, uh, we have the red and blue teams, yeah. you might as well be like <laughs> hosting. The I'll, I'll do it. Oh yeah, 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 totally. When we get to that point, I'll do it. I'll sit in the camp, <laughs> <laughs> just refereeing it That'd all. Be great. And that is maiming yeah. in the corner. There, this <laughs> is against the rules, <laughs> but um, it's happening. So we're just gonna let it. It go. is happening. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> oh yeah. So Taylor, do you want to uh, tell people a little bit about yourself before before we get into this? <laughs> this this thing, thing, this awesome thing that we are doing, <laughs> this collaborative spell of, of wonder. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm Taylor, Taylor Paisley French. I am a musician forward slash artist, probably more so artist than musician. Um, I do uh, songs. Uh, some original, some cover. <laughs> um, I've uh, got a couple um, EPs out on Spotify, which I recorded on my own. Um, one called The Answer, which was for a dissertation EP. The other, which is called Ch- Chasing Yesterday. And that is uh, a collection of songs that I wrote over the past couple of years. Um, and yeah, currently I am doing a YouTube thingamajig. Oh, yeah. A YouTube, <laughs> yeah. So... Um, so what I like to do is I like to implement sort of like blues and jazz into songs um, using stylistic elements from different genres and and throwing them into pop songs. And I've called this uh, If T Wrote on YouTube. So it's every Sunday at 8pm and I've just sort of started that about, well, five weeks ago. Oh, well, by the time this comes out. By the time this comes out, it may be a little bit, a little bit longer than. Yeah, that, that, yeah, there'll be about an album's worth <laughs> of songs Oh, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And if you guys do want to get that album, you know, don't worry, I will work on him to release these covers. But to do your part, go and subscribe to Taylor Pace of the French on the YouTubes, as well as me. But I'm always telling you guys to just subscribe to me, so you're probably 
fed up of that now. But uh, Taylor, this is a new one I'm telling you about. Go subscribe to Taylor's YouTube. Go listen to his music. I rave about him all the time on social media, so do it if you haven't already, guys. Like, I'm ashamed of you guys if you haven't. Not to be, you know, a shamer, but <laughs> I'm ashamed, so... T-shaming. <laughs> we are T-shaming up in here. But it's literally... T-shaming. Figuratively, because we're also British, so T is everything. Um. Absolutely. <laughs> Although saying that, I had a coffee. I made a whole coffee to uh, to do this podcast with, and there's about a sip's worth left, <laughs> and I'm sad. I'm sad. If I start bouncing off of walls, then you know exactly why. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly why. <laughs> oh gosh. But yeah. Well, I think you're going to need this caffeine yeah, cool when we stuff. get to this this discussion of. This film that we have watched. So, was this the first time that you've seen yeah. this movie, or was uh Actually, this is probably the second time since it came out all the way back in 2010. Um, I saw it the once, and I, I'm not going to lie, as a viewer, I, well, I didn't even know there were books <laughs> to start yeah. with, okay? Um, so when I did um, when I did watch this, obviously I just went in as a your typical child moviegoer. Uh, for ten years ago, I'd have been thirteen. So, mm. um, but even then, something was quite off about <laughs> about the movie, um, and it was ne- it never really sat in 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 the in the uh, top ten list of, of all time favorite movies. Yeah. Really, um, yeah. I, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm still yet. Uh, to watch the second one, mm. uh, is it Sea of Monsters? Or yeah, something Sea of Monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw the title, and I went, "That's not a bit of me, actually." <laughs> and uh, but I will tell you one thing: I did walk in on somebody else watching it once, and so I've seen one scene <laughs> from that movie. Um, and that when I do eventually get around to to watching this, um, I'm 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 gonna get to that part. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. You know, there's like two characters, yeah. right? I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it because right, they're, they're obviously not the main characters, mm. but but I haven't watched the movie in its entirety, so. There's two characters, and they're sort of just there for comic relief. I don't know much further than that, but I saw it, and I went, okay, this is where they've gone with Percy Jackson. Yeah, no, I think I know (laughs) which characters you are. backing away slowly. You are talking about as well from the Sea of Monsters. Yeah, Sea of Monsters is the one where everyone's kind of like, we can forgive the first one in terms of an adaption. Sea of Monsters is the one that no one will ever talk about again. Um, but yeah. I may possibly uh, do like a bonus episode of that one as well. So if you want to watch that, you can come back for that one as well. And guys, if you do want him to come back, totally. email in, listen to this episode, share this episode, all that good stuff, etc. And yeah, so I'll, I'll bring you back in if if you want to put yourself through that torture. Um, <laughs> I kind of do. I kind of do want to put myself through that torture. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things you like. You hear so much about it. You're like, I kind of want to do it. It sounds terrible, yeah. but I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, there is a bitter sweetness about watching something just to, you know, 
uh, just to sin yeah. it and just yeah. <laughs> just just to be like, well, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. And to move on from that and kind of get into <laughs> what you can tell is probably going to be our idea of this film as a whole before we even get into the discussion. We are, of course, talking about the Lightning Thief movie. But as per my usual episodes, there are points that we are all going to be focusing on individually. Whoa, couldn't speak at all there. (laughs) Individually. So for me, the points I'll be looking at are predominantly the adaption side with me knowing uh, more about the books than uh, you, Taylor. Have you read the books? I I feel like I asked you this before, but now I'm not too sure if I did. Yeah, I I haven't. I haven't. I only found out they were books when you told me they were (laughs) That so about like, right. <laughs> that's yeah that's about as far as i as i went um but yeah well that's good then that but means I like you're this. unbiased <laughs> i i'm very very biased against this film so that works in our favor but yeah so i'll be talking about it yeah i'm looking at it from from a different <laughs> yeah, perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm looking at it from the from the movie oh, yeah, perspective totally. I guess. <laughs> so i'll be looking at it from an adaption point of view in terms of its writing and characterization, as well as me obviously just being a reader of the books and a writer myself, because plug in, I'm going to be a published writer. So, you know, support me, please, guys. I appreciate it. Um, and <laughs> and then for. Do oh, it. yes, do it. Do it now. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Listen to Shia LaBeouf. Do it. <laughs> do it. Just do it. <laughs> and then, uh, Taylor, what um, areas are you going to be looking at? Um, in terms of your perspective relating to this film and your points? Well, I've sort of... <laughs> I started looking at it uh, from a musical perspective because music... Um, and I've done uh, musics for uh, some low-budget documentaries and movies and things. I just like doing music, <laughs> you know? That's that's how I associate with a lot of things. Mm. So, um, so, yeah, um, but... Uh, we'll get to that, <laughs> and and why I went astray from uh, talking about the music uh, also. So I kind of just—it's uh, not that I'm just ripping it to shreds. Mm. Okay, I'm not just doing it for the sake of that. All right, it's genuine concerns <laughs> from a worried bystander uh, in the UK watching this uh, somewhat, um, you know, it's. It's kind of just a bit sad, really. You see the names Chris Columbus, and you're like, well, he did the first two Harry Potter movies. He must be, you know, he's going to go to town on this whole thing. Um, You know, you see names on there, which we'll also get into (laughs) in a short while. Um, And it's like, this should have been a better movie than it was. You know? Mm -hmm. It should have been. And there's some very clear reasons as to why it isn't um and how they could have fixed that if they had just given it some thought mm. and some time rather than just pushing this movie out oh totally you know um so yeah that's me <laughs> <laughs> brilliant but yeah so that's what we're going to be looking at perspective wise for us individually but as always before we begin here is taylor with our film synopsis boom So here we go, a coming-of-age fantasy flick featuring the son of a god who has no idea he's the son of a god, until he's told he's the son of a god, because Zeus needed to point a finger at someone, so why not point the finger at someone you banished? 
Which technically he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Hades stole his mum. Hashtag road trip. Hashtag America is the new ancient Greece. And hashtag guilty until proven innocent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that may be the best <laughs> synopsis in my entire podcast history. <laughs> when I read it, I was like, I feel like it, even though you haven't read the books, I felt like I need you to get to, to do the rest of my synopsis because that was so much better than all the other ones I've done. <laughs> I was like, how? Like, I've been doing this for ages. This is so much better. <laughs> it's not. It's not. No, it's just. I. Okay, right, look. What it is, all right. I just tried to look at it <laughs> from, from the way that I would look at it, okay? Um, it's just that. That's exactly how I saw this movie, oh, yeah. you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, Zeus, Zeus has reasons. <laughs> they are unclear, but, you know, point the finger at this kid who you've basically never seen, yep. you know? And if you had, then it was, what, for seven months mm. or so, I think they say? Yeah, I think he's when he's seven months And even something. then... Yeah, but that was mainly Poseidon as yeah. well, you know. Zeus wasn't there, so he's just like, yeah, we're going to get this kid who has no idea of our culture and just blame him. And if he doesn't bring me my lightning bolt, there's going to be problems. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. wage some war. <laughs> God, that's... Admittedly, yeah. considering what we're going on to, that's pretty much the entire opening sequence. I feel like we just leave that. Like, the, <laughs> the opening discussion point that I could put that I put we could just use what you've just said it's it's Zeus being like I don't know who this kid is but it's his fault <laughs> that's it that's the opening <laughs> yeah, of the movie that's it that is it oh you know I did um but yeah go on go on <laughs> no right. so um to go th- what we're basically going to do through this is going through different sections of the movie um talking about the things that happen in that section and then giving our opinions based on it um, so for the opening, it is Zeus and Poseidon and the opening scene. I've lost my place already. Right, <laughs> formidable being steps out from the water and slowly makes his way to the Empire State Building. Here we are introduced to who they are, Zeus and Poseidon, and uncover the plot. Zeus's lightning bolt has been stolen and he believes Poseidon's son has taken it a son he hasn't seen since the boy was a baby. Zeus warns that if the boy doesn't return the bolt by the summer solstice at midnight, there will be war. We cut to the titles, and then we open on a boy, underwater, at peace, and relaxed as he sits there at the bottom comfortably. He emerges and tells and is told by his BFF that he was under there for seven minutes in total. We then move on to Percy in class with his English substitute, Miss Dodds. And here we get the greatest dyslexia visual I have ever seen as Percy, now named, struggles to read a quote from a fellow. Now, Taylor, do you want to start off here considering your (laughs) brilliant point at the start to do with Zeus or uh, do you want me to go in first? Go in, guns blazing. You do it. <laughs> All right, okay. Admittedly, guys. I'll follow you. I, th- I feel like both me and Taylor literally have guns cocked and ready to blow everything up because this opening was <laughs> this opening was a bit of a mess, really, wasn't it? Like, <laughs> it was. Uh, writing so far, we've in terms of like adaption as well, we've had three of the biggest plot points given away. In the first five minutes, not even five minutes, I think, of this movie, the Greek gods still exist in the modern world. 
Zeus's bolt has been stolen, and it was Poseidon's son who may have stolen it. Cut to Percy, who we clearly are able to assume this must be Poseidon's son, because we've just had that, and now we're seeing him underwater for seven minutes. Like, this guy is clearly Aquaman's son. Like, no human being can survive underwater for more than seven minutes. Like, you... It doesn't make sense. No! It was the weirdest (laughs) thing I've ever seen. I was like... And you expect us to believe that Percy is confused afterwards when it gets to that later scene of him learning about the Greek gods, that they exist. Dude, you've been underwater, able to breathe and survive for seven minutes. This is this is literally what went through my yeah. head at the same time. I was just thinking, right, so when you do eventually find out that you are Poseidon's son, I think the appropriate reaction would be, Oh, all right. (laughs) That actually makes sense, yeah. I was wondering why I never died when I was underwater. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, just just, kind of shrug it off a little bit, really. Like, us, the audience, like, oh, we already know. (laughs) And then. Yeah, like, how can you not. First of all, you've just shown that gods exist. Like you say, you've just shown us. Then you've cut straight to this kid, right? (laughs) (laughs) Who, oh, you just survived seven minutes underwater. Right, yeah, they're related. <laughs> okay. And he's going, yeah, I didn't know. Oh, I have no idea as to why. Okay, so they're related and he doesn't know who his pops yeah. is. Okay, right. It's, it's a classic case of Hollywood spoon yeah, feeding. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. It I think the, the strangest thing is, like, their way of justifying the inhuman bi- the inhumanness of him being underwater for seven minutes is, I just like being underwater. I'm like, that... Yeah. <laughs> You're under for seven minutes. You can look that up. It's not not humanly possible. Yeah, it's not. Oh my god. Honestly, it's like the first. I think that's like literally the first under ten minutes of that opening sequence. I'm like, I'm already, I'm already annoyed. (laughs) I'm already confused. Yeah. And I'm just like, Mm. what? We'd have no urgency for the rest of this film now. There's no mystery. We know we know exactly what's been stolen. We know exactly who Percy is. We know exactly what's going on. Why do I care now? Because you've told me everything in the first ten minutes. That's just absolutely. That's just mad. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. Like that. that well, this this point is is uh, as you may have seen in, in the notes is a reoccurring theme that I'm trying to understand exactly who the demographic is. Mm. Um, who are they trying to pitch this movie to? Is it a kids' film? Is it a teen film? Is it an adult film? Like, I don't think they had a very clear mm. uh, cut idea of who that who they were pitching this movie to. But we'll get on to. Oh that. yeah, yeah. We There's will. so much of that later. Uh, oh my yeah. god. But, yeah. Well, the the thing the thing that was interesting to me, um, as 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 I put it here, uh, the use of sound versus music. Um, in the beginning, and this, uh, as as I say, like I was, I started, I started by, um, just looking out for the music, really. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought, well, how interesting. Um, you know, just to uh, compare it um, from other books to movies, we've got Harry Potter. We all know Hedwig's theme. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. we all know it. You know, concerning Hobbits from Lord of the Rings, 
uh, because it's the, it's the famous one. We we know pr- most of the music from Lord of the Rings, you know, as well as most of the music's from Harry Potter. Um, so what interested me is how little a statement is made uh, with the music thus far. Mm. Um, it feels as if most of the music that they have in the movie is just trying to fill the blanks uh, rather than elevate the, mu- uh, the movie itself. Mm. With like triumphant motifs and ballads of orchestral beauty that would have you crying at the most underwhelming uh, portrayals you may encounter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's unfortunate because, like, so I did actually listen to the Percy Jackson movie soundtrack a little while ago, like specifically just just the theme music itself, and the music yeah. in general is actually really beautiful. Like, there, I can't remember this. It can yeah. be. I just it can be. It, it's just not explored exactly. very well, you like, know? Um, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's strange because the things that I listen to, like, you can kind of tell when it's meant to pop up in the film, but you just don't hear it at all, so it's not doing anything. Like you said, it just it's kind of just underwhelming. Yeah. It's not there to help uplift the story or give anything to the story. It's just kind of there. Mm. Yeah, it's sort of there just, just to make these tiny tiny statements like okay uh this is this person oh by the way here we are oh this is something that should be uneasy you know it's like transitional there's nothing big about it you Mm. know there's nothing major about the music um but yeah i'll i'll get to the, the 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 one point of music that i did feel was uh was necessary and I think you had some good notes about that that very scene as well yeah that's a bit um, later on as well isn't it like it's kind of it is nearish yeah. the end I think that that sequence was um yeah um I just wanted to say as well um just this just this interesting point um now you can educate me obviously because you've read the books mm. um but when he uh sorry when Poseidon goes to Zeus and he uh, explains that we are safe uh, forbidden paraphrasing we are forbidden to steal each other's powers right mm. powers okay so understandably as a, a superhuman or hero like figure yeah you would refer to them as powers but as a god mm. as a god you know would you see thor turn around and go oh my powers or you know like uh, say you know, if 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 a Christian god turned around or whoever, you wouldn't really be like my powers. That's almost like superpowers. I, yeah. I think I feel like it would be more your gifts or your abilities, something a little more set in stone, mm. rather than to make you sound like a superhero. It, yeah, you know, you're a god. <laughs> There's a no, difference. No, I totally agree. <laughs> I was always kind of confused by that term because in in the books, I don't think they, as far as I can remember, they don't ever use the term powers. They use gifts and abilities so your parents have passed well, on a th- gift that would make stuff sense like that like that's the terminology that's used yeah. um and it just makes so much sense because like um i think they do use the term power once and it's usually only related to like like the lightning bolt is like his his source or i, I don't even remember what it's called now i want to grab the book to double check because i feel like i'm talking out my ass but um <laughs> I think it's used in reference to so all the gods have like a symbol of power. Um so like um in the books there's different examples like uh, Hades has the helm of darkness which is something that can turn him invisible basically. 
Um, yeah. And then, like, the lightning bolt is uh, Zeus's, and then the trident is Poseidon's. Um, so they all have some mm. sort of connection to them and their abilities. They're not technically, like, you can't really do too much with them. It causes a lot of problems if you do take it, and each other's gods can't take their source of power. But that's the only uh, term that it's used for in that context, and I kind of get it because it's something that can be taken in relation to that. So that kind of works with the sort of superhero-based element um, that you mentioned. Yeah. But is other than that, that's the only other time that's mentioned. Like I, I don't know. It admittedly, even in the film, it felt weird for them to use that term. Like even though it's used in the books. Yeah. I think it's just because they bring it all yeah. up at the start. It just feels really weirdly paced. At the very start. It's like... Well, that's... Yeah. Mm. That's sort of like... Because like you say, like if, if it was like the source of power, mm. then I can understand that. Or the source of an external power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I can get that. But to just go, we're not allowed to steal each other's yeah, powers. That... And, and then he turns around and he just breaks this oh, door <laughs> to what we obviously end up finding out is the door to Olympus. But it's like, well, you clearly still have power. Yeah. <laughs> you clearly still have these uh, superhuman, ungodlike <laughs> superpowers. Right? Yeah. I just, <laughs> but but yeah, I just thought the terminology uh, could have been uh, focused on a little further. Yeah. Um, to make them sound godlike rather than you know uh, pre-Marvel superheroes. Yeah. No, no, no. I I totally yeah. agree. Um. But yeah, no, admit no, it is something I didn't pick up on. Like I was aware that the whole scene felt weird in general, but just that word, I kind of yeah. like, I just didn't pick up on it. Mainly because I was like, I've just got to get through this movie. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I just got to get through it. It's just got. I've got to get through this because I can't. I can't. So I've got to force myself yeah. to bear it. I'm, I'm begging me, please. I'm begging me. <laughs> Um, but to carry on to the, the next scene that comes up after, which is to do with Gabe, Sally and Percy. So following on after yes. everything that happens there, uh, we experience Percy's home life. It's a one floor, small, dirty apartment which he shares with his mum, not yet named. I know I gave her name in the title, but I know who she is and she deserves to have her name now. So has happened um and and gave the assumed boyfriend we're not really given any details there sally and percy's relationship appears strained and gabe and percy are clearly at odds hostility and possible signs of abuse are clear when he clutches percy's hair demanding respect percy begs to understand why on earth his mum stays with this pig who smells like a sewer to which she responds with the notion that Gabe has been good to them in ways Percy cannot understand. It is here Percy walks off, frustrated and confused. Now I know, just looking at your notes, I see that you're responding to what I've said, so I should probably go first, because that will be confusing yeah. otherwise. <laughs> um, so the main thing that I kind of focus on with this section is just adaption-wise, this kind of scene was just really frustrating because... Percy and Sally in the books have one of the most beautiful relationships and like parental relationships in any book series that I've ever read that features a parent-child relationship. Like she's a kind, attentive and like sees the good in Percy when he believes there is no good in him because he's a troublemaker, he's bad at school and he feels like he's not doing a good enough job to make her proud of him. Um so she picks him up when he's feeling down and all these sort of things. 
And admittedly, this this scene was a complete like in, inserted scene that never happened in in the books because we don't actually meet Sally until after this whole later on Mrs. Dodd's incident incident that happens later, and it's there that their relationship is built up and we we see lots of time spent with them but we kind of just don't get that in this in this film at all and i'll talk a, a little bit more about that when we get to the next scene that features sally the only thing that gets me a little bit more is gabe's character now gabe obviously like everyone's heard what i've said about him in the books i hate him hate him as a character he's a, he's a, he is literally a deplorable human being and yes in this he's still a pity he's a terrible person like it's it's not hard to tell that he's he's crude he's repulsive he's he's just generally cruel but in the books there was something about him that was more terrifying than than what we get in in this film like he is manipulative cruel and like yeah occasionally it's like sort of cartoonishly in the books because again books is technically made like aimed at like 11 12 year old kids not for a nearly 25 year old woman but, but the scenes that we do get with Gabe where we get the sense of like this guy is literally abusive there's like small little things and I, I've talked about them in past episodes in in the podcast but he is financially abusing them like he gives Sally like a clothing budget and if she goes over it he takes it out of her salary from her job so he is controlling every little bit of finance and like he takes money from Percy and basically says, if you tell your mum that I'm taking your money, I'll beat you up because I have that power over you. So, you, yeah, nice. so it's it's <laughs> it's like super dark, considering it's like a kid's book as well. It's like super dark. But then in this, we've got like Gabe slapping Sally's ass. We've got like him just sipping beer and just kind of being like he's he's gross, but he's st- he just doesn't have any sense of character. And if if anything, Percy's more aggressive and like start trying to start a fight with Gabe than Gabe is bringing him on to do it. Because in the books, Percy's only reacting to how Gabe acts towards him. So he's reacting to the aggression. Here, Percy is the aggressor. He is going in with this aggression and start. he's basically the instigator of it which really changes like the dynamic like Gabe kind of he doesn't come off as a good guy because clearly he's not he's, he's not a nice guy but he comes off a little bit nicer than Percy which is not what you should be thinking about your hero that he's kind of starting this he's deliberately trying to start a fight with this guy why yeah. and it's just yeah that whole scene is just it's a, it's a mess <laughs> Yeah, well, I I thought I actually thought um, when it came to uh, Gabe, um, he's he's played by by a very specific guy. They, I th- I felt like they went they turned around and went, "Hey, you were kind of an asshole in Bad Boys too, right?" And he went, "Yeah." And they went, "You were kind of an asshole in The Matrix too, right?" And we're like, "Yeah." Well, can you be that guy in this movie, please? <laughs> you know, and he's like, "Is there anything more to my character?" And they're like, "What?" And he's like, "Okay, right, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll just be an asshole." Yeah. He hits every nail on the head, but it makes him too, too, too D. Yeah. If you get oh, me, yeah. there's no, there's nothing more to his character other than the fact that he's just an ass. Mm. You know, no, it's true. Um, and he's just sort of there to be one. He doesn't really add anything. Mm. You know, um, 
it feels it feels like the whole movie would have happened whether he was there or not or just the story in general mm. um for from from this perspective you know it doesn't really feel like he adds anything to the story other than to just create some form of confrontation to this coming of age child yeah no you know? no i totally agree i think it's unfortunate because it could have been done so well to make both sally and percy's situation really sympathetic in that moment but we just kind of just don't don't get that at all which is it's frustrating because it would have it would have worked so well to get that in there but hmm this is basically the sign of what this whole movie is about it's like oh they could have done this and it would have worked really well but they didn't and we got this (laughs) yeah (laughs) literally that's it yep unfortunately yeah i mean like it's it's enjoyable in the sense that like <laughs> you're trying to figure out what what everything is meant to mean but you can't figure out what it means so you're there just kind of like okay i get i get what's happening i don't understand why it's happening but i get it so i i guess <laughs> i can and afterwards you're kind of like you know what, i'll just it i'll just watch it for the sake of watching it that's where i'm at now <laughs> yeah that's that's basically yeah that's basically what you would what sort of how you should be with this movie it's like i'm gonna give it a go yeah um i actually i actually missed a note here um that i was just looking at um about the way that the movie actually opens uh with the sound versus the music and it starts with a breeze you know a very heavy breeze and then you hear thunderous uh rapid claps of you know mm. um and then all of a sudden you know you see poseidon walking along um but i sort of felt like that was that was a a narrative on the movie yeah. itself you know you just sort of go along with it knowing that you know everything will be fine in the yeah. end <laughs> but but you just like yeah you just go along it's just breezing yeah. along it's not like you actually want to finish it but it's just a very uncomfortable ride. Yeah. I think how I often <laughs> describe end. this movie, admittedly, we're at, we're at this point with like the whole Gabe Sally scene, we're maybe like 20 minutes in and we're already like, yeah, this is the kind of film where you just, you have it in the background. You can yeah. tag it in every so often to see what's going on. But uh, other than that, we're good. <laughs> yeah, there's not really much more yeah. than that, really. Um, just... That's also a... Oh Sorry, no no you, you carry on I was just I was just gonna re- end up repeating myself so carry on. <laughs> All right. Well, well, I think that was another thing that that bothered me. Um, to be honest, once again, okay, <laughs> we're talking about the demographic. Who are you pitching this movie to? Yeah. Um, the movie is so dark, right? In lighting, mm. um, I struggled. Um, I struggled to see. Uh, pretty much anything of the opening any dark scenes I struggled to see yeah. um, including a scene that will happen uh, that we're going to talk about probably in about two segments but um, yeah it was I'm sitting there and I'm thinking who in their right mind right, turns around and goes oh, do you know what let's watch this this evening let's watch Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief this evening because darkness is really the only place you're going to be able to see what's actually going yeah. on but it it's more of a daytime movie but when you see the things <laughs> that happen and the things that surround the movie you're like this is not 
a kids movie. God, no. This is not a kids no. movie. It's definitely aimed at kids, but it's not a no, kids movie. That, no. So, yeah, and but if it was, it would definitely be a hell of a lot lighter as well, just in colouring, yeah. the colour grading or, whatever, or however you want to say mm. it. It just, it bothered me. It did. No, I and totally I'm agree. telling my mum. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. And when we get to that point, because I think I know exactly what which scene you mean as well. I think that comes up in about, yeah, two segments after this as well. So I totally get get what you mean. And because I really want to talk about that now, let us move on to the next scene, which is the museum <laughs> scene. So here... The museum. Oh, yeah, the museum scene. Nice. God. <laughs> so we move on to a Greek and Roman exhibit at a museum. Hinty hint. Where discussions of the big three gods, Cronus, and the term for half-mortal, half-god heroes is given, demigod. It is here, Miss Dodds... There are lots of real, like words with D and S's on the end. I've just realised. I started to stumble over it. And I was like... Oh, this is not a great sentence for people with dyslexia. <laughs> so, and I wrote it. <laughs> so I've made that really oh, difficult gosh. for myself. <laughs> it is here Miss Dodds pulls Percy aside and then turns into a monster, demanding to know where the lightning bolt is. Here Mr. Bronner and Percy's friend, still not named here either, enter, threatening Miss Dodds who eventually lets Percy go and flees out the window. Percy is not told a thing as Mr. B and the friend discusses what to do and determine that Percy must go to camp. But they've got to speak to his mum first. Then, the best and only good line I find in this movie is given as Mr. B gives Percy the greatest weapon. This is a pen! This <laughs> gives it away. It's just I don't know why, but it's his face as well when he says it's like, "This is a pen," and he says it like twice and just getting angry each time. It's like, just because this is the greatest weapon, it doesn't mean it's not still a pen. <laughs> he's just so angry. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump straight in here. Oh if no, you don't go mind, for it. Right. Um. So just to just to start off this scene, the way that it did start. Um, we see a bus, okay? We we, we see uh, Percy has, has this voice in his head, which we'll get onto later. <laughs> <laughs> he has this voice in his head, and he turns around and he sees the one and only Mr. Poseidon, if that's what you can call him. <laughs> and, it's only polite, um, really. <laughs> yeah, and he develops the, the moving vehicle teleportation skill. <laughs> What a way to bring him in, yeah. you know. What a way to bring him in. I I understand that it's been done many a time with uh, Batman and, you know, he blinks and all of a sudden he disappears and that. But I don't know. I feel like... I feel like it doesn't... Once again, it doesn't really add anything to the story, exactly. does it? No. It doesn't really add anything. I doubt... Um, sorry, who did write write the Percy Jackson uh, So Rick Riordan was the, the writer for the books. So, right, so Rick Riordan, do you think he was writing and he was going, do you know what would be really cool? <laughs> right, I'm going to write this one scene where Percy turns around and sees his pops, but a bus comes by <laughs> and he disappears into the mist of nothingness. <laughs> like, oh, you know, God. it's, uh, it's one of those. I don't, yeah, uh. 
I get it if you're Batman. Yeah. But otherwise, I don't really understand. Yeah. It. Um, you know, it was a really. It was like a random scene. It's like, your this film is like nearly two hours long. Did did you really need yeah. that scene? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's what I feel like. It's just to pad the runtime. Yeah. You know, that's that's it. That's, that's all it um, does. <laughs> literally, like. Um, but I've got I've got another point here. Like, um, so obviously, as viewers, we're watching and we're seeing, you know, um, Mrs. Dodds, and she's ah, oh, Percy. Do you know the answer to this? And we see the whole flash of of um, uh, the dyslexia, um, and you know, he goes into this museum. And uh, Mr. B, uh, if that is his name, I'm pretty sure I'm talking about the right guy. <laughs> yeah, you are, don't worry. <laughs> he turns and, yeah, and he's like, oh, well, Percy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he doesn't get the question right. And he's still like, come on. Yeah, we're going to wait for another, like, 45 seconds. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, if I was in his class, right? If I was a, if I was a, <laughs> this innocent bystander in, in the class of Percy Jackson... I would be so peed off, right? Because I'm just like, when am I going to get a chance to answer a question? Why is everyone so infatuated with this kid who knows nothing? (laughs) It's like, uh, and he's always getting it wrong until he once, once he gets it right, you know? Yeah, after a Um, long time. But, yeah. But I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, you know... It's it it's obviously to squeeze out the the exposition here and to to squeeze us out there mm. and blah blah blah. But like, if I genuinely was one of these kids, I'd be like, I'm not even going to put my hand up. I'm not going to do it. Because <laughs> I know they're just going to go straight at him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if he gets it wrong, they'll just ask him again <laughs> until he gets uh, it right. You know, mum, pack my dinner. Like, I'm going to be at school for a oh while. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally get what you mean. It's one of those things. It's like, I mean, it's tied into a writing-based thing. Like, it's just it's just poor writing. Like, I know extras, like, they seem like they're not important. They're kind of there to kind of, like, be background a little bit and then intermittently add in some voices here and there of, like, just kind of adding extra dialogue and feel like it's a natural, real place because, yes more than one pe- person does usually speak in a classroom but in this film no no one else speaks in this movie <laughs> all the other That's classmates it. total silence like even in the hallway with the kids that we see like earlier in the film where everyone's fighting not a hmm. single person speaks we don't hear any other person talking it doesn't feel like anyone is actually having any other dialogue they're just kind of there <laughs> and it's like yeah I feel like they did that maybe just for uh, money reasons. Oh, 100%. Yeah, you've got to pay someone if they've <laughs> if got a line. If we say something, If you've yeah. got one line, exactly. you have to get paid. <laughs> so <laughs> it's their way of being like, yeah let's, yeah, let's make sure the budget is low enough. So we'll have all these extra people, but we won't pay them because they don't speak. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's how to do movies, oh, yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> That's how to do movies. Have faces, but no voices. Exactly. But just from that, like that writing element, like just this, this whole sequence was just kind of crazy in general. Like this, this section, I I checked it actually. I it's under two and a half minutes, I think, in like near exact, and so much happens in under two and a half minutes, including a huge exposition dump from the friend and Mister B. 
both at the start in the Greek section and then after what happens with Miss Dodds. Um, and then, okay, the fact that the best friend, who is meant to be the best friend, at this point in the film still hasn't been given a name. We still don't know who he, who he is. We just know he's a friend, but we don't know his name as of yet. It's just mad. But then Mrs. Dodds didn't have a reason to talk to Percy at all and adaption wise there's like a good reason that's given in that he's like pushed someone over and used his powers and not oh i've just used the term powers oh no um <laughs> and so she pulls him aside because she's seen what's happened and kind of is figuring out who he is and that's why she pulls him aside but in i don't even know what what's just really strange about all this is just the fact that it's just it's just so different from the books in terms of the adaption because in the series itself when miss dodds pulls aside and turns into a monster percy kills her like straight up like kills but then what, in yeah the in the books he kills her like he's th- nice. he's thrown a sword Ruthless. runs her oh through my God. she turns to dust and then like mr brunner and grover i'm gonna name him because we haven't been given the name yet and grover have disappeared they're no longer there Percy has a pen in his hand. The sword that was he, he was holding before is gone. And he turns out, and no one knows who Mrs. Dodds is. No one knows that she existed. Everyone has no recollection of this person ever existing. They're like, oh, right. oh no, what, what are you talking about? We have a, I don't know the name of this other woman, but there was another woman that was there in place of Miss Dodds. It's like, she's been our substitute since the start of the semester. And Percy's kind of like, Wait, what? What are you talking about? No, Miss Miss Dodds, like she's just pulled me aside, and everyone thinks he's crazy, and it's a it's just a really interesting thing that they've done, and they just kind of forget all about that in this, se- this segment. But then the weird thing is yeah. when they then bring up now he needs to go to his mum. I'm like, okay, but why? What? Why? why? Yeah, well, this is it, isn't it? It's like when when the pronoun game is played, like, oh, you know. We need to go and see him. Who who's he? <laughs> <laughs> just so you can ask. Yeah. You know? And it's like, well, we're not gonna explain. We just need to get there. But, you know, in real time, in in the in the movie that we're watching, we're like, Okay, well we're about to find out in ten seconds anyway. But for that character specifically, mm. they'd have had to get on a bus or go home in, in any, any mm. other transport uh, way which would have taken time depending on where they were you know they they could have travelled 45 minutes across town to get home yeah. and he still wouldn't have known just because he's gone okay we need to go and find your mum okay but why <laughs> we'll find out when we get there uncomfortable silence yeah. on the way home for hour <laughs> yeah and as far as I'm aware we don't ever find out like. either we don't find out why they had to go and get Sally <laughs> yeah exactly the the real answer would have been, why do we have to go and get your mum? So the movie can happen. There yeah. we go. I mean, that is <laughs> literally... Break the fourth wall, make a better movie. Yeah, that is literally 100% it. And, like, the things that follows of them, like, going and picking up Sally and, like... <laughs> I mean, I love that Grover literally just, like, basically nuts Gabe with his crutches. Um, and they all run out. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of random but kind of funny so like i'll forgive it momentarily but even still it's like that felt like a nonsensical scene 
But then yeah. <laughs> it then leads on to this bit to do with um, the next section, which is entitled The Minotaur and the Infirmary. Um, and it's here as they then escape this, from the city after causing trouble with Gabe. Percy, Sally and Grover, now all named, so we've now got Sally and Grover's name, thank goodness, make their way towards this camp. Uh, here Sally mentions Percy's father in very brief detail, before they are attacked by a minotaur. Here it is revealed that Grover is half goat. I don't know why I said goat in a really weird way. Half goat. <laughs> and he busts them out of the goat. broken down car and rushes them towards the camp's borders as the minotaur chases them. Sally, not like the boys, is unable to pass an invisible barrier and is seemingly killed by the minotaur. Percy begins to fight with skill not previously shown, with a sword and parkour, before being knocked backwards and then using the Minotaur's broken horn to kill it, promptly collapsing afterwards. Then he wakes up in the infirmary, learning that not only was he unconscious for three days, but everything he saw wasn't a dream. His mum is gone, and his best friend is a satyr. And... It it sounds like so much happened, but that was literally within maybe like under five minutes. All this all this happened. It's just yeah. Yeah. Ugh. It really was. Everything just goes it's so quick. Sort of like yeah, and it's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a rushed movie that lasts too long. Yeah. Do you know? Do, do you get no, where I'm going? No, I totally going? get what you mean. Yeah. Everything feels like it is going so fast. Like we're getting so much yeah. thrown at us, but then we're not really actually getting anything. Yeah, like we're not learning yeah. much. Like everything. Like there are so many inconsistencies. Like Sally knew she couldn't cross the line to get in to Camp Half Blood, as it shows on on the um, sign thing. Um, so, so why did they go back and get her? Like. What what was the reason? She knows she can't cross. She knows she can't get there. So why did she go with them? It's just... It makes no sense. Yeah. Unless she knew that she was going to die from Yeah. It. And, it's just... And she just didn't want to be with Gabe. Yeah. She says, let me die. <laughs> let my son watch as I die because I can't stand being with this man anymore. It's just, yeah. Honestly. It's just... In terms of, like, the, the again, but going back to the adaption element... The reason for Sally being at the camp borders was so better executed because her and Percy had gone on a vacation together because Percy was stressed and she could tell he was keeping something from her. Like he hadn't told her about the Miss Dodge thing or anything like that after coming back. Because he was actually at a boarding school, so he he was back for summer and was able to see his mum for that time. And so they'd gone on a holiday... um, uh, just to kind of get away from Gabe in reality. And then Grover turns up, already showing off his satyr legs and form. And they're all like, oh God, okay, what's happening? We've got to go. And Grover rushes them out. Sally rushes them out. And she, she's the one rushing to get them to the camp because she's afraid for Percy. She's the one who's made these decisions because she wants to make sure Percy is safe. And the reason she she dies in the book is because... She tries to distract the Minotaur because Percy is trying to look after Grover who's being knocked unconscious and she kind of sacrifices herself to save these two children because they're, they're actually 12 years old in the book whereas in the film they're like yeah, 16. Yeah, true, true. And it's just... 
it's just so much better because it shows her as being like this hero type character whereas in this you're kind of like yeah this one's stupid like why did she go firstly also they're 16 the key, yeah. these kids are 16 why couldn't they drive themselves <laughs> like, you can drive Isn't at it? 16 in the US it's like why didn't what what <laughs> yeah well the key the key word is depth and obviously the book the book um, clearly told a, a very defined story mm. you know it's it has it has a way of getting from A to B, but do you know what? Like, if she's gonna go down there, yeah, we know she's probably gonna pop up later, right? But this is how she's gonna do it. She's gonna go down like a hero. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's like, well, she knew she wasn't gonna get in. <laughs> she knew this is as far as she would go, yeah. as she likes to so clearly state. But she went anyway, knowing. <laughs> Knowing exactly what would have happened. What did she actually think she was going to do when she got there? Did she think like, okay, right, I'm going to have a picnic by this tree just outside of the force field. Yeah. Outside of this camp. It's, just, it's such you a know? strange thing that happens. And admittedly, all the stuff that happens after. So this is the thing. So dialogue has always been a big thing for films for me. Like if it sounds like people are literally just reading off a script, like I will lose complete all interest. And at least with the scene, considering Percy's meant to be grieving, over the fact that his mum has died in front of his very eyes. He has... There is no emotion. He doesn't seem to care. He yeah. forgets about his mum up until, like, a, a later scene of this announcement about his mother. That's the only time we see him mention her again. And it's just... Yeah. It just... Not only does it feel like an exposition dump about Grover's role in that moment as well. There's so many exposition dumps in this entire film. Yeah. It's just like exactly show it, don't tell it. <laughs> oh, it's for those who are wondering what exposition is. It's when they tell you and they don't yeah. show. <laughs> I think the thing is like it's interesting that we're given like a like a Grover story. Like Grover in the books is like such an angel. Like he's literally the sweetest person. In this, he's just a bit creepy <laughs> and a bit much as a whole. I've yeah. I, a, a lot of my notes are actually about that. Yeah, admittedly, it's such, like... <laughs> I'm, uh, no, I'm just, no. <laughs> no. But he's given an interesting arc, which is... Admittedly, I can get... I can get behind it a little bit, but the execution is a little bit... This doesn't make any sense, but whatever. Like, yeah. And it's just, like, a way of just being kind of, like... Okay, all our characters need to get to a certain point by the end of this movie because that's how the stories work. So we're going to tell you <laughs> what this character's goal is from the beginning and how he has to reach it. And that's how you know that he's going to have an arc because clearly this is what's going to happen at the end. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <sighs> irritating. <Yeah. laughs> that's what it yeah. is. It's irritating. Uh, this is, I have so many things about this so many things that you yeah. want to say and I'm like I, I keep looking every so often and we're already at like nearly an hour <laughs> yeah. oh is it oh my god that happens so quickly I know it's mad <laughs> I think it's just both of us are just like we have so many things <laughs> and we want to say them all because yeah. there's just so much to say <laughs> but I'll stop there now so you can say your thing as well because I've talked a little bit longer than I meant to this time <laughs> it's alright it's um yeah, I think we've I think we've sort of when you said about he uh, he was 
a bit creepy and that i think we've sort of delved into the to the next section as well mm. um because my only notes for that previous part was about the lighting oh, of course once yeah, again yeah. that um, was one of the worst scenes uh, for it definitely yeah and i i get i get if you're trying to hide your cgi don't get me wrong mm. i get it if you're trying to hide your cgi but then uh poses the question if you're trying to hide your cgi should you be using cgi yeah <laughs> you know um there's plenty of uh of series out there um uh doctor who being mm. one of the major major ones uh, that have proven time and time and time again that you do not need cgi to execute something imaginative yeah. you know um, and if anything, using things like animatronics and uh, and life lifelike things, they give they give it that much more mm. depth, which is, which seems to be the key word of the day. <laughs> it's all about depth, um, people. You gotta find your depth. It's all about depth. Oh, Proper. totally. But yeah, we'll jump we'll jump onto the next. Yeah. Section, right? <laughs> So the next bit is, it's quite a big section just because so much happens in this bit and it all kind of blends together a little bit. So this is exploring the camp and backstory. So we uncover the story of the camp and everything entails and holds. Every person there is a demigod, half mortal, half god, children of the Greek gods. The camp was created to turn these children into heroes. Dyslexia and ADHD are part of this. Dyslexia being their minds are hardwired for ancient Greek and ADHD for battle reflexes. We meet Annabeth, daughter of Athena, the very clear love interest of our story. Soon we are taken to Percy's home, built for him by his father for him, and we have it confirmed by a trident in this house that Percy is the son of Poseidon, and we are shocked, really. Uh, a rare feat, as the big three do not often conceive children due to their power. But Gabe's pungent smell kept him safe for many years. Everyone is then convinced that Percy is the thief. And with 11 days left till the deadline, Chiron wants to take him to Zeus so Percy can prove he is innocent. But he'll train him first before he even leaves the camp. Now, I will go to you, Taylor, to talk about this because I see that you've got some really good notes here, actually, and some good jokes as well. So let us start. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think most most of my... Uh, uh, when, when I was watching it, I was mainly chuckling at myself trying to find pop culture references <laughs> and things. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, so I one of the main points here, as they are walking through... Um, uh, walking through the camp mm. uh, to begin with you hear a lot of uh, swords clashing together and blah 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 as he's spilling the beans on this and that and the other uh, Grover talking about spilling the mm. beans on, on this that and the other um, there was no music this scene right could have been so much more um, it could have been uh, fantastic actually uh, these are the scenes um, that can be elevated so, so dearly with just the right music, mm. you know? This is a new world, yeah? yeah? The readers, your your readers have only imagined this world. 
the people who aren't reading, uh, this is their first time seeing something so so broad, you know. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm blowing this out of proportion. <laughs> but, but the point is, is that this is a halfway house, mm. right? Um, this is where he's going to learn many things about himself, right? Um, mainly about his... Uh, powers <laughs> yeah so like so you know it needs to be more they should have had some some proper music but no what they did was they put the music in right at the end uh, of this scene where he goes no you're lying you know uh, i don't know i don't know what what you're talking about or whatever something i can't remember exactly what he says but he's like yeah yeah blah 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 denying everything that that grover's saying it's like dude he's not lying okay look around you look at what you're seeing in front of your eyes plus your mum just died <laughs> but like look at what you're seeing this guy regardless of whether he has his goat feet he's telling you yeah. the truth okay but music sweeps in and that's when they want to show the love interest, you know? And it's like, yes, the love interest is important, but you can leave that down to the acting. Their on-screen ke- uh, chemistry is what's supposed to build that, mm. you know? Don't just throw music at us and be like, well, this is a, this is a hottie over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know no, what exactly. I mean? Every time yeah? I hear that music, I'm like... So this is our way of saying, she's beautiful. You know it. He knows it. Yeah. She knows it. And let's move on to the next scene. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. So that's like all what happens. I think, yeah. It's just music, her, it is. next scene. <laughs> yeah. And, well, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh-huh. I was just seeing here, yeah, um about the fact that it seems like no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares about anything. No. That's what it feels like. Um it does. It's just there's <laughs> yeah. just so many things that Go on. that could have been done better. Like I mean, what you said about that, it's kind of like the Camp Half-Blood is meant to be sort of like the Hogwarts sort of moment of like seeing this camp for the first time is like seeing Hogwarts for the first time. Like we have yeah, music and to, the music to do with that, or even see like when um, yeah. Lucy walks into Narnia for the first time and we get that music. Like all yeah. those sort of things. Like it's meant to be the first time we're seeing literally a magical play. Like it's not there's not like magic around. People look normal, but there's people sword fighting people in ancient Greek armor, and like it looks fantastical because these kids are dressed for war and in items and stuff like that but there's yeah. just nothing there you're just seeing people like everyone's doing parkour and sword fighting and that's all we're seeing and that's all we're getting it's just it's just it's so boring it's yeah. sad it's sad and once again it's even more sad because chris columbus opened up the harry potter movies mm. he did yeah. he he must have understood you know, like the moment the moment you see Hogwarts and its dark beauty, it's bam 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 bam. You know, yeah, like yeah. it got all that music comes in and it's wicked. And you, as as a listener, as a viewer, you're like, well, damn, yeah, this is cool. You know, oh, totally. <laughs> and even 
it, it draws you in. It makes you want to be a witch or a wizard with those movies. And as much as it's not exactly, it's not always a nice thing to compare with other uh, movies or books. But the truth of the matter is that uh, when you take into consideration books to movies, mm. there are plenty of them. And um, when you have such a, a dedicated fan base um, to whichever titles you're you're willing to um, make an adaptation of on screen, um, it comes to it comes to that point where you're like, well, yeah, that was great, that was great, that was great. We're gonna make this one even better. We're not just gonna. Oh well, <laughs> we've got the rights now, so let's just make a mediocre movie. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You're going to upset a lot of people and you're going to upset a lot of critics and no one's going to be happy with you. No one's going to hire you. Yeah. Like, you, know, you need Emily, to take these to do like a, a sort of like fact thing here. So Rick, the author of these books, he so obviously with the, yeah. the Harry Potter films, like J.K. Rowling, she wasn't like involved in it, but like she was consulted and all these sort of things and got like her opinion given. Rick was like yeah. basically like ignored by the the director and the writer for this film they didn't want any of his discussion points like when they showed him the first draft he came back saying this my audience are like 12 year olds and this film is very adult like the, the all these things like i can see where you're going but it just doesn't work for the audience that my books are for and they just like blanked him yeah. completely so that straight away you can already tell that this like when that came out like most people could figure that there was not much discussion between the original creator and the film that the film creator and you can see that in the way this film is done because it they feel so disingenuous to the actual source material and it's just yeah yeah it's, it's to say it's like the, well even oh sorry yeah. you go on even i sorry <laughs> i was just gonna say I was just gonna say even i could tell um with without you saying that it just confirmed my beliefs mm. that that um it wasn't they didn't listen they clearly didn't listen like um it feels very sexualized for one totally. um i know i've written sort of like a joke over here i've been doing my best not to read out the jokes because they might be <laughs> no i go for but, it um, my jokes are worse so it's all no. good <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna read it in voice. so Grover's billy goat is ready to gruff the moment he sees some smoking hot babes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Honestly, God. right? You mentioned how creepy he is, right? But it seems like this 16-year-old goat man just wants to bang yeah. all the time. Literally, there's yeah. no <laughs> other way to say it. That's literally, what was it? He sees a group of Aphrodite girls and he's like, hey, baby! And you're kind of like, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And... Oh, I feel like so. This is a thing that I know is very typical in like Hollywood films, and it still it still goes on even now. It's, it's gotten better, but it's still there. And it's like the sassy comedic, like black friend. The same as like when you have like a gay best friend yeah. sort of thing. They're, the they're token like so serious. Yeah, and it's like every time I yeah. watch it, I'm like, why? Why did you need to go for a stereotype? Like Grover's character, like whether whatever ethnicity. You don't need to change the way his character acts. Like, Grover in the books... Yeah, it's a comic relief yeah, yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just so Definitely. Annoying. Like, I was watching Jumanji the other day. Have you seen Jumanji? Oh, the new one? No, the, 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 oh, original, the original back in, like, uh, the 90... 95, I think oh, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, I've seen that one as well, With yeah. With Robin Williams. Yeah, the cop, you know. He's, he's, he's definitely a part of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But it's like he's definitely just the comic relief token black guy yeah. in there, you know. And it's it happens in so so many movies, yeah. and you have to sort of sit there and wonder to yourself with with this specific one, like he's a goat man. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I get it, you know, Aphrodite, she's the goddess of of love. Which I'm pretty sure. Yeah, she yeah, is. goddess of love and beauty. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. according to my Greek knowledge, Greek mythology. Yeah, um, yeah like I get that um, that they are supposed to be smoking hot, but that could have been uh, taken in a different way. Yeah. That could have been portrayed differently. You know, you don't just have to want to want to smash, especially you know. Obviously, you're going through whatever you do at 16 years old, but. Um, you know it's it comes off very stereotypical yeah you know stereotypical when and i kind of don't like yeah i kind of didn't like that with with this scene and the next scene i didn't like um that it's very very typical stereotypical yeah i really there's a lot of that as well like annabeth's character and i'll get onto that a little bit as well like she doesn't yeah. have a character at all throughout the whole of this movie. Like the only people that we seem to actually get any characterization is Percy a little bit and Luke. And to get on to Luke yeah. actually, so this comes into that our next segment scene, which is capture the flag. So here we are introduced to the red team and the blue team for capture the flag. The blue team is run by Luke, son of Kurt. Ker- Kermes? <laughs> Kermes. Kermes. <laughs> Son of Kermes. Son of Hermes and camp leader. Percy, being a bit haphazard and just generally a hazard, is given a helmet and a weapon, with Luke making fun of him just a little bit in the process. As the games begin, Luke and Percy band together. Luke's wit and skill being the only thing really keeping from Percy getting skewered by Sons of Ares. Some funny one-liners here and there as Percy runs off and discovers the flag of the Red Team. Here he is confronted by Annabeth, who kicks his ass, literally, before (laughs) bragging about beating him. Then a voice in his head tells him to head for the water, and it's here that he suddenly becomes good and competent at fighting, taking down multiple red team fighters and then Annabeth. Blue team win the game. <sighs> yeah. So, <laughs> from my point before, Luke, I think, is literally the only character... So he's very different from the character in the books in general, but he's the only character in this film that I enjoy because I think he's kind of funny. Like, he's a little bit cringy to start with. Like, when he has that opening dialogue, it's like, oh, you're a goner, man. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Put put some acting behind those words, please. But it's bad dialogue, so it's kind of hard to. <laughs> but after that, like, yeah. <laughs> when he's fighting with Percy, he's like, oh, there's a sword, there's a sword. <laughs> and stuff like that. And having, like, those jokey sort of one-liner things and their interactions. He comes across as a really interesting character. Like, he has a little bit of charm. Mm. He's got his comedy... And he kind of puts you at ease a little bit. But but he's the only good character. <laughs> yeah, he has a bit of weight yeah. behind him. Like he has some That's depth, which, again, token word of the episode. 
I feel like he's literally the only character that has depth. And admittedly, he's a character that needs to have depth considering everything that happens later on. But <laughs> he shouldn't be the only one. <laughs> Everyone should. Yeah. Everyone that we get dialogue That's from it. should have depth. But even Annabeth, oh my god. Hers and Percy's interaction is one of the most confusing things because she defeats him. He's then compelled by a voice, goes to the water, becomes suddenly really good at fighting, competent and has super skills and defeats everyone. And Annabeth is kind of like, what? And immediately at the same time, I'm kind of like, what? (laughs) You have no (laughs) skills. How have you beaten everyone? You're an incompetent Whoa. boy. That's that's sort of that's sort of what we've got here. We've got Mary Sue. Uh, it's the male counterpart of Mary Sue, Gary yeah. Stu. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had to look that up. <laughs> if there was a male counterpart, the Gary you know, Stu. Yeah, he has absolutely no training, uh, but he's extremely powerful only by knowing that he has powers. Yeah. You know, he's been for how long in underwater seven minutes yeah. right he goes under he can go underwater for and nothing previously has allowed him to to expand this power that he has mm. what if he had a scar across his face from when he fell over in the in the park yesterday and then he went into a swimming pool and he's like oh my god my scar's gone yeah <laughs> you know where was that where was those healing powers before I know, it's so <laughs> uh... <laughs> It bothers me. And all of a sudden now he's pure Mortal Kombat. I know. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, throwing, throwing shade at every single person. I really wanted... I really, really... Obviously, you know, she was cutting him up pretty bad, Annabeth. Um, I, I did want her to put, to put him out of his misery, you know? Admittedly. I did. Yeah. I put here that I'd have paid a ton <laughs> to, watch it, <laughs> to watch it happen. Yeah. Literally... <laughs> Um, I think considering Percy's meant to be such like a fun lovable sort of character in the books in this I'm like if he died I don't think I'd care <laughs> yeah I, I kind of have that yeah. I kind of have that too you know I saw um, I saw Poseidon uh, went to Voldemort's wizarding school of witchcraft wizardry and uncomfortable narration <laughs> <laughs> in the head oh my god he does it all the time look here Percy yeah look over there Percy <laughs> Go to the water, Percy. Don't eat the things, Percy. <laughs> Don't do the thing. <laughs> Don't do the things, you yeah. mean. <laughs> Every time he speaks, I'm like, what, are we not allowed to have Percy be smart on his own? Does he Does he need a bit of a helping hand? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, uh. it's, it's irritating. But the thing, the thing that bothered me most about this is afterwards. After that all happens, um, and, he, and, you know, this party is happening um if you don't mind me mm. saying just quickly about Go for that it. um it's that you know we're stereotyping the women once again yeah. um he's well, let's let's all just put down that everybody there is 16 yeah. <laughs> let's just say that right basically then or around 16 um in america you technically you can't drink till you're 21 yeah. <laughs> um but straight away we've got women who who never would have batted an eyelid at Mr. You know Triumphant over here, and all of a sudden they're wanting to uh, have an after party 
come back to ours afterwards. We're not going to invite your very obvious friend here. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the guy that's been flirting with us all the time. But you defeated these guys and captured a flag. So now we want to have some fun after loving with Mr. Underaged over here. Um, And I'm just like... I'm, it, it still bothers me because I, I would get it if they were all British because the age of consent yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> over here is 16. Yeah. Not that I condone it. No. But um, but over there, definitely not. And they, they really, really like to um, throw uh, sexual connotations within, within the script here. Yeah. And it seems to take um, priority over story. Mm-hmm in quite a lot of areas. So I think that's one of my main issues um, with this, No, no, I totally agree. And I think this is the thing that I know lots of people had an issue with. Because, again, like, the books are aimed at, like, 12-year-olds. And then you've got this film yeah. with very clear hints of, like, underage drinking, underage sex and sexual connotations. And everything has lots of sex-related elements. And, like... This film yeah. was targeted at fans of the books who are 12. <laughs> and it's kind of like, <laughs> how did you think this was a good idea? Because not only are you giving a bad, like you said, like they're stereotyping women. Like every woman in this story so far, other than Sally and probably Miss Dodds, but she was a monster, so it doesn't really matter, um, <laughs> has been very overtly sexual. And it doesn't change whatsoever throughout the rest of the film. Everyone stays overtly sexual. And it... Yes. I'm glad you said it. Because now I've got more things to be angry about. (laughs) 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 Um, But to move on. So that's literally... That's basically how that scene ends, basically. We've We've got horny Grover. We've got horny nymphs. And then we've got flirting between Annabeth and Percy. Everyone is, mm. lack of a better term, horny, and then all hell breaks loose because Hades arrives and Luke offers a gift. So after the battle, the camp's dinner, a monstrous being appears and it's Hades, god of the underworld, and he demands Percy bring him the bolt in exchange for his mother, who was merely kidnapped and not killed. It is here that our new trio set off, Percy, Grover and Annabeth, and seek out Luke, who, being a son of Hermes, the only god to enter and escape the underworld without difficulty, they hope he will have insider knowledge of how to do this. And of course, he does. Persephone's Pearls. Items for Persephone's secret visitors to use to escape the underworld after they have visited her. Luke then provides them with a map of all the places these pearls are located. As a final note, he offers Percy a pair of flying shoes. And one last thing. If he sees his dad on the highway to hell, kick his ass. Cue highway to hell music. That bothered me. I won't lie. That bothered me. No. I get it. I get it. But after uh, it was done in Final Destination (laughs) 2, I honestly... I, th- I feel like, okay, that was the one time it was allowed, <laughs> you know? That was the one time because it made sense, yeah. you know? But here, it's just like, it's almost as if someone went, do you know what would be cool? 
you know what? Let's put Highway to Hell in this. Ah, how do we how do we write the script for that? Oh, if you see uh, the dad on the Highway to Hell, okay, right, yeah, no, that's a good way. We'll put it in there. Yeah, you know, like it feels it feels like they just wanted to put the song in the movie, so they moved the script around for it. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's so, yeah. It's, yeah, no, I've always hated that bit because I'm just kind of like, firstly, hell is Christian. <laughs> it's not Greek. <laughs> Why are you putting yeah. Christian stuff into this movie about Greek gods? Exactly. Uh, it was it was hell hell with one L, wasn't it? Yeah. Hell with one L in Greek. Um, oh, no, that's I, uh, I, Norse I, mythology. Hell is... Norse yeah, myth- yeah. yeah, that's uh, me, Greek that's mythology me. it's just called um, <laughs> the underworld in Greek mythology. Yeah. They don't even have the term in Greek mythology. Or Hades. Yeah. Well, originally hell hell in general just meant um like a basement area yeah. where you'd put your groceries. That's actually Oh, like, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Like um, Imagine saying <laughs> that to someone. It's like I'm just going to go to hell. And you're like you're going where? It's like down downstairs. <laughs> I'm going downstairs to put my stuff down. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think what what bothered me the most about this is is Hades just wanted a chat. Yeah. Right? So usually when you want to chat with someone, the last thing that you want to do is portray yourself as a giant devil. Yeah. Okay, and throwing fireballs at their party. If he'd have showed up in his not so Mick Jagger looking way, which we explore <laughs> later, because he does not look like Mick Jagger. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. Mr. Steve Coogan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he'd have been better off showing up in his humanoid form um, and just going, look, guys, look, don't freak out. Okay, I just want to chat with this guy. He's stolen a lightning bolt. I've got his mum. She's not dead. Look, take a look here. Yeah. <laughs> um, that could have saved a hell of a lot of hassle, to be honest. Yeah. Because that's exactly what he ends up doing anyway, just not really showing back into his form. But he creates all this ruckus only to turn around and go, oh, wait, well, don't worry. I just wanted to chat with Percy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, oh. in the process, I've burned your tents. Yeah. Like. <laughs> of course, Havoc, I've blown up your pork roast. <laughs> <laughs> your pork roast. Yeah, screw your pork. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian now. Screw you guys. <laughs> yeah, screw your pork. You nasty... Yeah midwives that's what I'm calling them now <laughs> we're going to call them midwives yeah. <laughs> you nasty midwives I'm going to burn your pork oh god well no I totally agree like it just and, and like you mentioned as well we, like, we both brought that up it's like why is he Satan <laughs> this is Greek mythology stop with the Christianity it makes uh, no sense it makes no sense to me but it's just yeah it's just oh my god <laughs> kill him yeah kill all. and just just going off of that like I think it would have been so much better if they, if, if they want to bring Hades in at this point because like this doesn't actually happen whatsoever in the books at all we don't actually meet Hades until we get to the underworld they've already gone on their quest they've been right. told where they need to go basically and that's when they meet Hades we don't meet him any time before that so this was like when I watched it the first time I was like what <laughs> what what <laughs> Why is he What here? is going on? <laughs> but just in terms of characterization as a, as a whole, like Luke is again still only good character in this film thus far. But mm. this scene that we do get with him 
before the whole highway to hell nightmare. <laughs> I still can't believe that they use the term. <laughs> yeah, we've all got daddy issues, don't we? And I was like, no. Why did you yeah. do that? <laughs> don't use that they with me. I got extra white girl points on that. Oh, one. God. Yeah. We've <laughs> all got daddy got issues. Extra white girl points. Although, <laughs> although I still find it ironic. So, like, Annabeth is there, and, like, hers would technically be me, be mummy issues because she doesn't know who her mum is. So that's got mummy issues. I don't know about growth, but it's just well, the whole thing. Like, the moment he said the, that phrase, I was like, my God. <laughs> yeah, somebody get a grave yeah. and put me in it, please. Please, God. <laughs> uh, other than that, though, there like, is, he yeah. is still the only good character. Like, he is bitter, like, not to the extent of, like, literally hating the gods. Although in this, he does come across as hating the gods, which is, it's unfortunate because in the books, you don't get that as much. But the bitterness yeah. makes sense up until he said daddy issues. And then I lost all respect for him. <laughs> Just all respect gone. Understandably. <laughs> Understandably. Uh, no respect for this guy. <laughs> no respect. <laughs> no respect at all. Yeah. Oh, um, God. But yeah, yeah, right. We well, we've got that that next section. Yeah, uh, the beautiful, the beautiful Uma Thurman. Uh, she comes yeah. in. <laughs> Uma Thurman wasted in this movie so much. So absolutely, oh my god, absolutely. So this is where we go to Medusa's lair to becoming the most wanted. So we head for Auntie M's, the first place in the stop to retrieve the pearls. And they uncover the truth that this shop belongs to Medusa. Here, Annabeth ends up in trouble due to her being a child of Athena, the god that cursed Medusa to be Medusa. <laughs> Percy comes in to save the day, using reflections to navigate his way around Medusa and fight her. With one car crash out the way, he lops off her head, defeating her. We learn that she had one of the pearls on her body, which Percy takes before wrapping her head up in a box, as it still has its uses even after death. Taking a rest at a local hotel, Percy and Annabeth get their flirt on as he heals her with water. Here, Annab nice. yeah. <laughs> Here Annabeth <laughs> explains their parents' backstory, kinda, and we learn that the gods are banned from interacting with their children. In the hotel room, we learn that Gabe has told the world that Percy kidnapped his mother due to him being an alcoholic and drug addict to make matters worse groover 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 holds the seven groover. yeah groover that's his new name now more like groomer <laughs> oh my god admittedly yeah accurate <laughs> in this film that is accurate <laughs> he holds the severed head of medusa for all the world to see the world being a maid who runs away screaming Q, run for your life montage. Oh, God. Love it. Love yeah. It. <laughs> so much love. My goodness. Oh, okay. This yeah. this scene. So, like you were mentioning earlier, like we do have the whole thing of literally reducing women to stereotyping. Like, <laughs> Medusa's anger is all about vanity. Like, she's angry that she no longer has beautiful hair, which is such a weird thing to be angry about <laughs> like what <laughs> yeah well the the actual with 
with um, uh, Medusa, there is issues. Um, if if you if you look, if you actually delve deep into Greek mythology, there's issues with, I think, uh, Medusa. Uh, Aphrodite there's uh, you know it's a very incestuous uh, god world uh, where everyone just basically goes behind each other's backs and blah 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 I think the snakes are supposed to um, delve deeper into the reason why she actually hates them Mm. but this doesn't explore that at all no Um, so it sort of just makes it like well, why? You know, we want to know, like, who turned you into a Gorgon in the first place? Yeah. You know, we want to know, we want to know these things. Yeah. Um, but no, she, uh, nothing, nothing gets explained. Yeah. We just have angry snake hair lady. Um, With really awkward lines as well. Oh my God. The headline is like, I oh used to God. date your daddy. And I was like, this, I've yeah. never been more uncomfortable <laughs> in my life. <laughs> so when she says that yeah. line, it's like, I need to pause so I can go sit in a corner and cry. <laughs> yeah, and rock back and yeah. forth for at least 30 oh, minutes. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's just, oh my goodness. Honestly. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, the issue the issue that I have at the moment is uh, what? how are they trying to p- uh, portray Percy? Yeah. Because, obviously, uh, I, read, I read some of your notes here as well um, about... Uh, you, you speak. You do speak quite a lot about um, good times. Uh, <laughs> good times. <laughs> uh, you know, good moments that can really push their um, teamwork. Mm. Uh, you know, bring them closer as friends. You know, something that Avatar: The Last Airbender would just nail yeah, yeah, yeah. in an episode. No, you know? totally. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's sort of like, well, what do you? What What do they want? Uh, from Percy, do they want him as a valiant leader, uh, but uh, or do they want him as the guy who can't make it without his friends? Because if it is the case, then surely he should have been able to do this whole thing on his own. Yeah, you know, um, you know, it's it seems it seems like they really don't know what they want from this. Yeah, you know. No, I totally agree. Like, it just, it feels, like, very confused. Like, we have this moment of it seems like Percy is doing everything and everyone else is a little bit helpless until the car crash moment. But then we have a scene later on where it seems like they're working, like, it's a team-based thing, and then it ends sort of more team-like. And then it goes back to just Percy, and then it goes back to slightly team, and then it goes back to... So it's like you said, they just, they seem to not be able to figure out do we want Percy to just be a leader doing it all on his own or do we want him to be a team player who he needs his his friends to be able to help him do everything and they work together it's just they can't seem to decide which one they want to do and it's just it is it's irritating yeah it's like it's like they kind of had a moment of the, they wrote one section they waited a really long period of time wrote the next bit and they forgot how they portrayed Percy in the previous sections changed it and then did the same again it's just mm. (laughs) just kill him just Just let him die yeah just let him die 
You the know. only person I'd want still alive now is Luke. And like from what we know later on, I shouldn't be rooting for Luke. But he's the only character I care about right now. I don't care about and anyone else. Spoilers. <laughs> he's the only character I like. And that's a bad thing. It's because he's cool. Yeah, it's because he's cool. It is. He doesn't pretend to be cool, like Percy. Yeah, you know? he is just cool. He just is naturally cool. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and just kind of speaking of your dynamic element as well with like the team and or, or is it Solo Percy we then get that, our next scene of the Pantheon in Nashville um, where we, we arrive at the Athena Pantheon I can't even say that correctly in Nashville where Percy plans for the trio to sneak in overnight to steal the pearl that's attached to the statue once they get in Annabeth knocks out the guards and calls Luke for guidance with Luke's help, Percy uses the shoes to fly up and grab the pearl. However, the janitors that were knocked out wake up and join together, demanding the bolt as they turn into a fire-breathing hydra. Now, suddenly perfectly mastering flying, Percy attacks and cuts off the heads of the hydra, not realising that more grow back. Annabeth comes into action, shooting the hydra with arrows, as Grover goes to the rest goes to rescue the pearl. The two friends are then injured and knocked out of action, leading to Percy going for the pearl and discovering new powers to control bodies of water. They try to escape but can't. It is here that Grover uses Medusa's head to turn the creature to stone, saving them all. Medusa ex machina. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we would call that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ex machina everywhere. This whole thing. That is yeah. it. <laughs> it. Literally is. Yeah. Um, they should have all died. Oh yeah. That's what I. That's all I've got to say. They should have been dead. They're all under trained, and they should have kissed their Achilles heels goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I have to say about no, that. No, totally. Like, so I've got to say actually, this whole Hydra scene. We don't actually meet a Hydra until. Sea of Monsters in in the book. So there is no Hydra scene. There is no Nashville scene in the books. Well, immediately, there's no searching for pearls in the books. Like, this whole going in search for pearls to go to the underworld does not exist in the books at all. This is completely made right. for the films to be a sort of, like, search and adventure thing. The pearls... You know why, don't you? <laughs> Games. <laughs> immediately. How can we make this into a yeah. game? <laughs> it's... You know, squeeze some more yeah. money out. Yeah, I mean, this is how I often describe this film. It like it feels like a game. You go and collect the yeah. things that you need to get to the point to see the final boss, who turns out to not be the final boss. So you then go face the final boss to win the game. It's, Boom. It's just it. Uh, it's disappointing. <laughs> but it's going back to what you were saying before about the whole team dime team dynamic sort of thing like this would have been such a great moment to have so much teamwork and like we have a few little bits of like them deciding where to go them them fighting certain elements though them dealing with certain aspects like percy using the shield percy um getting the pearl annabeth going after the monsters and shooting them with arrows grover going for the pearl and stuff like that but then it then all just ends up being about percy again he's the one who decided the plan yeah. he's the one who decided how to act even though he's the one who messed up and gave the hydra multiple heads because he's an idiot and didn't think even though mm. annabeth was saying no stop percy stop and he didn't and the whole thing just ends up all 
being completely about him again and this is the thing that i don't get annabeth is a child of athena goddess of wisdom and battle strategy and she does nothing she is useless throughout this entire film and i'm like exactly why <laughs> she is the exactly. only character who should have any significance because she knows what she's doing yeah. if they'd have used the time well they'd have used the time well they would have um shown that athena was uh, not athena jesus annabeth was <laughs> annabeth and not jesus either um <laughs> she's extremely skilled in what she does let them win capture the flag right let her win capture the flag that has some pity on percy mm. they become friends she teaches him a thing or two blah 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 they end up going out on this amazing quest she ends up getting hurt he finds out he has these healing powers from previous and he heals her that is how you can get their sort of chemistry together. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a different way. That means that she's actually added something to the story, mm. you know, as well. I, I, I don't... Just because of an, an obvious tie to Avatar, I didn't really want to bring it up. But when you put Aang and Katara together and how they've helped each other build up... Exactly. You know, everybody is important. And that's what makes it... That's what makes that such a great story. And I'm sure that the books um, of Percy Jackson, uh, mm. you know, delve deeper into their uh, linking or their connection together. Mm. Oh, totally. But the movie just did not do that. No, they just... I you feel know? like the, the whole thing is that they don't seem to try whatsoever with their female characters. The female characters just come across yeah. as an after afterthought. Sally's death, yeah. uh, quotation marks included, is only done... Yeah to be of an influence for Percy to as a call to action. There's no other reason for her to exist. That's why we don't see anything, we don't get any interactions with her. It's because she's written as the, the only reason why she's there is to die so Percy can become a hero. And then Annabeth is only written right. in to be a love interest and nothing else. And then all the other yeah. side female characters that we get are just sexual objects for the male characters of the story and it's just basically it's just really frustrating because yeah. like yeah i will 100 percent admit like female characters in rick's books they are great they're not perfect because obviously it's a male writer writing about female characters can be done well but it's not always 100 percent perfect but in comparison yeah. to the film they firstly have a personality is a big thing there and just in general, like, you can connect with these characters because they're so different to each other. Like some of the characters you meet, like yeah. in later books and stuff like that, are incredibly different to Annabeth, and like they clash in a few different ways, or Percy clashes with them in different ways that he would clash to Annabeth and stuff like that. And it's just it's just really unfortunate that seemingly the writer for this film just didn't care about the importance of the female characters in this in this film, and. I just I would like to uh, do the the shame finger. Just shame on you, <laughs> whoever wrote it. Just shame. <laughs> do, do we have a bell anywhere? Shame. Just <laughs> ding shame. Shame. Ding shame. Ding shame. <laughs> that's We're not it. even going to start discussing that because oh my god. Oh god. <laughs> so many things to say. <laughs> <on that one. laughs> oh god. But to get on to more more ridiculous elements of this, we then move on to the Lotus Casino. 
where the <laughs> wonderful shenanigans. No, <laughs> the gang enter the casino. The casino, casino. The casino. The That's what I'm going to call it. That from now on. They enter the casino <laughs> and are bombarded with goodies galore and the lotus flower, which seems to have a strange <coughs> drugs effect on the team. <laughs> They soon forget their reason for being there, their sensibilities, and just start to have fun. As they continue to enjoy themselves, Percy's father speaks to him, warning him about the flower and the place they are in. Percy explores and finds that everything is strange, people forcing the lotus flowers on people, and a guy who believes it's 1971. Uncovering the truth, he rallies his friends and wakes them up, just as the casino people realise and give chase. Stealing a car, they escape and head for Hollywood to the underworld. Do you, do you want to start, my dude? I can do. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I had the question, this scene in itself just, um, you know, it lasts about eight minutes too long. Yeah. Um, yeah, once again, is this film for adults? Is it for kids? Um, because I'm just not sure. This scene is, as you say in your notes, played for laughs. Um, so it should be for children, right? Um, you're supposed to add some teamwork or some team development, but that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Um, for me, it just felt like, right, you know, uh, we're going to show children we're going to indoctrinate them into the idea that betting all their money uh, away while they're young is cool and here's some drugs because they're cool as well you know um it just it felt very wrong it felt like they were trying to push gambling and drug abuse um as a cool thing um you know so it's you know the only reason that they get out of that that whole situation is because they had a job to do yeah right so what about the kids out there who are watching this who don't have to bring pearls to hell (laughs) you do you get what i mean it's like well if you do come across these things that brighten up brighten up the room hashtag uh ecstasy (laughs) you know like if you do come across these drugs then yeah uh, do them (laughs) and while you're at it let's go on poker stars and gamble i know (laughs) it it just felt very, very wrong for a child's film. But we're constantly reminded that, well, let's throw this joke in here. Let's throw that joke in there. Let's throw this joke. Yeah, it's a very childish film. But it's not for children. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't be showing my, I don't have kids. <laughs> but if I did, yeah. right? Um, just for anybody else out there wondering, I'm 23. Okay, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not kid. I'm not having kids. Not right now. <laughs> but that, yeah, um, that would bother me. That didn't sit right with me. And even just being my age, sitting there and watching it, I'm like, I'm so glad that I didn't pay much attention to this movie the first time I watched it. This is the second time I've watched it, and. It clearly has uh, some very wrong messages uh, displayed for uh, those who are none the wiser. Yeah. I believe. No, I, I totally agree. And I think that is it's definitely something that like I didn't 100% pick up. I mean, just because like, this whole scene was just like, 
an outlandish nightmare. So the Lotus Casino thing in the books is like three pages long. It's like the most insignificant scene in the entire book. Like it's just kind of there. It doesn't have any significance to the story. So I was kind of like random that they they put it in there. So the only reason why it was kind of there is because it's meant to be the whole it speeds up their timeline. So they're kind of a little bit buggered. But yeah, it's like what you mentioned as well. Like we both noticed the fact that it felt like this would have been the perfect moment to have that teamwork ability exactly or or at least having percy being <laughs> being a leader in a moment here but we don't even have that like he is the one who realizes that something's wrong but he doesn't realize it his father poseidon speaks to him and tells him something this this place is wrong don't eat the flowers mm. don't do this you're in danger get out so it's not even percy having this character growth of being a leader and realizing when situations have gone wrong it's him being told you're in trouble get out and him listening reacting and getting everyone out so he's not even a leader he's not a team player he's obeying daddy's orders and yeah it's just it would have been such a really good moment to begin to develop his character i mean we should have had his character developing from like for within the first 20 minutes or beginning his development it should have been and this is like it <laughs> yeah leading up to the, like the last 20 25 minutes and we haven't even gotten any growth yet so it's just kind of it was just a frustrating moment of we could have had something for percy and the team here but we don't have any of it and it's and it's a shame yeah this whole film's a shame <laughs> it's just <laughs> all i can describe this film as this film is just a shame like it could have been the next Harry Potter, this franchise. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest part wasn't. of it, is like that this could have been the next Harry Potter, but it just, they didn't try. And so it failed. Not hard enough. No. And speaking of not trying, let us head to <laughs> the next section, which is the underworld and Percy's choice. We enter the underworld in Hollywood, where all the dead live in misery. Here we meet Persephone, angry and lonely, we become, who becomes interested in Groomer. She, <laughs> <laughs> they go together like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, oh my god, they literally do. <laughs> she, she takes our trio to Hades, who has supposedly a stylish McJagger look. It is here that Percy admits that he is not the faith. The feet. The anger has made me be able to not speak English. <laughs> he is not the thief. And in anger, Hades releases Sally with the aim of not allowing them to go free without the bolt. As Percy drops his shield, electricity can be seen sticking out of it. It's the bolt. Luke tricked them. As Persephone seems ready to send them to their deaths, she turns on Hades, zapping him with the bolt. She allows them to go free, but sadly, they only have three pearls for three people. This means one person has to stay behind. Grover volunteers as he is the protector. As Percy, Sally and Annabeth flee to get to, the, get to Olympus with the bolt, Grover has a moment with Persephone. Yes, he Ugh. does. I've I've never had... This is the first time in a movie where I had to mute 
the sound. I had subtitles on, so I could still tell what was happening. But like the moment they left, I was like, I'm going to hate this. I'm going to mute it because I refuse to listen to what's about to happen. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. I I get sad, right? I get sad. And the reason being is because this actress, I don't... I don't remember her Oh, name, Rosario Dawson. I genuinely... That's her, right? I... I actually, like... I do like her as an actress. Mm. Or or main, maybe as a person. But when I see her in things, she just annoys me. <laughs> she does, right? Um, maybe it's just her face. I don't know. But when when she comes in this scene... I then had flashbacks to how many times I've seen her portray this specific character. Mm. Very sexualized, very horny. Yeah. Right? Um, And I just thought, right, okay, Grover. (laughs) Grover is about to get it, right? This 16-year-old Grover from America, who's clearly underage, and uh, however many thousands of year old... um, you know, can are we allowed to call her a paedophile? Is that a thing? Because she's definitely thousands of years old. She's definitely old, thousands of years really old. Isn't. And I feel like we could be. So technically in the books, Grover... So he looks like he's 14 in the books. or Well, he's meant to be... Okay. He looks like 12, 13. But technically in Sater years, he'd be 26. So, But right. we don't have that... Expo- but he looks 14. Yeah, but he looks 14. <laughs> yeah. But I think... That's yeah. an issue. And in this... Film. So none of that's explained that satyrs, they look around the same age as humans in a sense, which is why they're able to integrate themselves into schools to look after them. But they're supposed to be much right. older. We have no explanation of that. So 100%, I can agree with you there, that even though yeah. Grover is meant to be like a mythical being himself, still pretty much comes across a, lit- a little bit paedophilic. <laughs> 100% yeah. agree. yeah. And, mm. That's that's sort of what what I what I had yeah what I had there and um, yeah it's once again sexually driven for underaged America yeah <laughs> you know um, but I did like how it ended though just for Grover because yeah he's the token black guy in the movie he's gonna have a lot of issues he's the comic relief but do you know what. At least he gets to have some fun while the others go. Yeah, <laughs> go and that's the only the positive. Was like he's been aiming for this the entire movie. His character arc is now complete because he's now going to get some. Yeah, literally. That's his character arc, and <laughs> that's his arc. And the next time we see him, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's going to be a lot happier now. He's going to be a lot happier. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. No. Th- this whole section yeah. was. This was literally. This whole scene was my most hated moment from the the whole movie like i hate the whole movie in general but this was my most hated scene <laughs> um like this was in fact from the few times i have watched it before this is the only thing that i ever remember from the film because it makes me so angry because <laughs> it's just so it's oh, just God. so wrong <laughs> and i've got points i'm just gonna write so one it's summer based on mythology persephone would not be in the underworld because she spends spring and summer with her mother and she spends autumn and winter with Hades. That's why we have the seasons. 
she comes back to uh, out of the underworld spring is coming which is why she's goddess of the spring and she stays throughout summer when the seasons change and everything starts to die that's because she's gone back to the underworld and her mother is creating these new seasons as a sign of her grief of losing her child to the underworld so she shouldn't be here <laughs> well she does wake, uh, make one thing spring doesn't she <laughs> Admittedly, considering my next note is, why is she so horny for everyone? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make you. You you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't have much of a problem if you were there. Yeah. Right? But it's watching it. It's watching you. Like, <laughs> admittedly, like... I'm surprised Percy and Annabeth aren't. Come. She's flirting openly with Grover in front of them, and neither of them look uncomfortable. Me, me, yeah. the... they're just they're just like. Happy. Yeah, they're kind of like yeah, average state for, for a demigod. Yeah. I'm like, no, this is a crime. Stop. Honestly, it's a crime. People. Yeah, it's a crime. <laughs> and then the next thing is like they keep calling the underworld hell. And I'm like, this is not Christianity. Stop. Why is this happening? And the three, why does Percy have no growth? He has nothing. He is he is nothing. He's a nothing person. Like in the heart Especially with all that cleavage. Yeah. <laughs> there was no growth. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. It's just what's really frustrating is that in the book, Percy leaves with the bolt to save the world, but he, he leaves his mother behind because he realizes that he needs all three of these guys because they're the only way he's going to be able to get to Olympus and get this bolt there and be able to complete this mission. He can't sacrifice his mission to save his mum and reject one of his friends. He can't do that because that's not the way a hero would do it. So he sacrifices his mum in a sense and goes. But here, the moment Grover says, I'll stay, Percy's kind of like, are you sure? And when he says, yeah, I'm the protector. Percy doesn't question it again. He's just like, all right, okay, sure. It's fine. Bye. <laughs> and then just buggers I, off. I think, I think he knew, I think he knew in his heart what Grover was there for. <laughs> oh, yeah. <You> know? <laughs> wingman. <laughs> just being a wingman, really. You are back. <laughs> oh, did he, did he lose me momentarily? I did lose you momentarily. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You sort of just popped back on my screen and said some real quick gibberish and, and then was like laughing and I was like, Hello <laughs> <laughs> Oh guys, this is uh, this is modern technology for you. <laughs> it sucks. Modern technology. Gotta love it. <laughs> oh so just going off of that, I finished my rant basically, that was all that was happening, is me laughing at the end of my rant. <laughs> Okay, okay, no problemo. <laughs> so, <laughs> what we will do is we will move on to the next section. I think this is the one that we both have, strangely, positive points relating to this section, I think. And that is the fight with Luke. And so, this is where Luke arrives and stops them at the entrance to Olympus and forces Percy into battle stating that the gods need to be removed and replaced by their children, a new generation of heroes. The gods have been in power too long. A new world order is needed. The two fight across New York, in the skies, sword fighting hand-to-hand, and Luke using the bolt to electrocute Percy. 
When Percy manages to retrieve the bolt, Luke throws his sword, slicing one of the wings of Percy's shoes, leading to him leading to a heavy landing on a roof. It appears Luke has won, until Percy uses his brute strength of power to nearly drown Luke. As Luke stands near defeat but refusing to surrender, Percy summons a trident made of solid water and throws it at Luke's neck, seemingly skewering him and sending him deep into the water. The enemy vanquished. Percy retrieves the bolt. Nice. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I was just thinking. If imagine if Percy was an old man. If he was <laughs> He was like ninety five, right? You know when he lifts his arms up and all the <laughs> and all the water comes up and he's like <laughs> You're gonna get it now <laughs> <laughs> Luke, you're going down. <laughs> I, I just thought that'd be brilliant. Oh no, I didn't know that was something I needed to see, but now I want to see it. <laughs> if there's any animators out there, can you make a like an elderly Percy fighting Luke yeah. on the roof? Luke, it's time to go down. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's got to go down. <laughs> Use T's voice to, to animate that section with. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I love it. Oh, I lo it'd be brilliant. <laughs> Alright, okay, because you started with yeah. a brilliant point, you need to carry on with what you want to say about this scene now. <laughs> okay, well, obviously we get that big reveal. So Luke goes, I'm the lightning thief, and I, from outside the screen respond with we know <laughs> <laughs> it was very obvious from moments ago um obviously this this uh, scene goes down quite nicely with the music that is um playing in the background mm. the score um we get the uh non very bloodthirsty luke uh, because he is uh, led astray by monologue uh, various times um my issue however Right, my issue is why did Luke not just keep the lightning bolt? The the lightning bolt. It would have made so much sense, right, mm. if he had just hidden it because all he wanted was for everyone to go to war, yeah. right? Right. So if he had just hidden the lightning bolt, kept his armor, right, and just sent Mister uh, uh, Jackson off on a wonderful wild goose chase of nothing yeah <laughs> everything would have played out his way um but of course we do see percy go into the avatar <laughs> the avatar state water bending <laughs> galore master water bending yeah all we need is a giant yeah, koi fish figure and that will literally be the book one finale for avatar <laughs> that would be amazing annabeth uh turns into the moon and <laughs> <laughs> and all is right within the oh, world oh god <laughs> I can see yeah. it. I can see it. <laughs> I can see it now. <laughs> oh god! But really, hundred percent. I kind of. It's, I want that koi fish version of Percy now. Like, <laughs> just turn into that giant, <laughs> giant koi fish. Water bending. What a slice. <laughs> Dead. What a slice. <laughs> Dead. Yeah. I like it. Emily. <laughs> oh my god! That whole scene though. Their fight. 
the only good part of the movie really was their fight mainly the one on like the roof yeah. itself because it's so violent like obviously not yeah. it shouldn't have been done for kids because like we literally see Luke nearly being drowned to death in that whirlpool of water and I'm like probably shouldn't be showing that to kids but okay <laughs> but that yeah. whole section and then obviously yeah. I don't know so I want to ask you a question on this because I have bad eyesight in general but did it look like you know when he threw the trident did it look like the middle bit of the fork went through his neck you know <clears throat> I was going to say the same thing <laughs> right because obviously he goes yeah I am the son of Poseidon, right? Gets his little cockiness up up to 100%. <laughs> yeah, I am the son of Poseidon. <laughs> Makes a, a water trident out of out of water, yeah. of course. Um, and then he launches it directly at his throat, yeah. right? Which propels him at, you know, a speed of at least 90 miles an hour towards the sea. Um, I, I only saw two... Uh, whatever you call them, two forks yeah. come out. Right? Um, I don't know if it went directly through him because obviously it's water. Yeah. But then again, it was solid enough to propel him further, further off into the distance. Yeah. So, the question that I think you're trying to ask uh, is: Did we just see murder? Yeah on screen yeah <laughs> and what i'm gonna say to you is irregardless of whether the middle fork did go straight through his throat he's been propelled to the bottom of the ocean yeah. he's dead <laughs> okay, right? okay we did just see murder happen yeah. <laughs> he got murdered twice <laughs> twice yeah literally 100 percent Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to bring you back one hundred percent for Sea of Monsters now because we're gonna have to hold on to this because that's for we've both concluded murder and death. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been the case. if it if it's not the case, I'm going to obviously you can blame it on magic and fantasy and, and godlike powers, but in any scenario where a trident as solid as that Gets thrown at your neck. Yeah, that's at least broken your neck. To the bottom of the ocean. That's broken your neck. Exactly. You need to walk around with a dog collar for at least four months. Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. (laughs) Dead. (laughs) That's. Dead. (laughs) Dead. That's actually the only thing. Like the whole. that, That final fight. Loved it. The only question I ever had was Did he die? I don't understand. That's the question. Yeah. That's what we need to know. It's just you like, know? but did you die? <laughs> but did you die? Did you die really? <laughs> the question shall be oh, answered. Oh, yeah. Very soon. <laughs> oh, and from on to that, we head into the final scene Percy's innocence and the ending. Thank the gods. We arrive as the <laughs> <Thank them. laughs> we arrive as the gods are fighting. Just as time runs out, Percy and Annabeth enter, revealing what truly happened. Luke was a thief who hoped to see the gods destroy themselves for revenge of them abandoning them. Zeus pardons them and brings Grover back in thanks. Percy speaks with his father, and learns the truth as to why Poseidon left 
and why the law came into place. Poseidon was becoming mortal from how long he stayed with Sally, which is never a good thing for a god, which means Percy is at fault for what happened to all the other children of the gods. As Percy heads back to camp, we learn that Sally has left Gabe and everything is looking up. Grover has gained his horns and Percy is seen as a hero. We end with Percy and Annabeth training together, with a bonus scene of Gabe turning to stone. And that's the end. Nice. <laughs> that concludes yeah. it. Yeah. How, how, I don't know how they managed to make an ending the worst part of the film. Well, you know, they had to do something. Yeah. And in, in the pitch meeting for this movie, they clearly must have gone, how about we end it in such a way that is so bad? And they go, that's a great idea. Let's do that. It's like that meme. <laughs> How much money do you need? <laughs> it's like that meme of like someone saying, oh God, I just hit my microphone. Uh, someone saying... Sounded like you were opening a bottle of, of something strong. Yeah. I've gone back to alcohol. I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, I've had enough of this movie. Please. Alcohol, save me. It's, it's literally like that movie. It's like, how could we make this movie worse? And people give me suggestions and someone says, how about we don't make it bad? And they're thrown out the window. <laughs> that's that's exactly what happened. Um, in, in nicer terms, they were fired. Yeah. <laughs> they were fired. I have a good idea. So do I. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! But yeah. Is this... But what? Are... Oh, you go first. Go, go, go. go. go on. No, no, you, you first. Oh, I was just. Gonna, I, I've I've only got a small note. I was just going to say what I did like about the scene was that Percy got closure. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense, <laughs> <laughs> but he got closure nonetheless. And who are we to uh, to hate on on somebody else's uh, uh, happy light uh, in any moment, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> But um, what annoyed me in that same aspect was the fact that Annabeth got nothing more than a sentence with her mother that she had never met. Um, and she's like, okay, this is going to be you know, a scene between you guys, so I'm going to step outside. Um, I'm going to say, F that. Yeah. <laughs> Go to your mum. Go to your mum, give her a cuddle. I get it, she's a giant, but she's got a little finger that you can definitely wrap your arms <laughs> up. Have a conversation, you know. You've... <laughs> You were struggle, struggling enough uh, to, to make a point at saying, you you know, is that what my mum looks like back at the museum? You know, is that what my mum looks like? I guess I wouldn't know. I've never met yeah. her. You are meeting your mum for the first and time. there's no reaction. And the only thing that you think is, I'm going to go outside so you guys can have some closure. Ugh, I know. <laughs> It bothered like, me. If they have that scene of her saying, oh, I, I wonder if that's what she really looks like. And then she meets her and then it's just one small moment and nothing else. It's like, what's the point of having that scene? Because you've got no build up. There's nothing, there's nothing that's led yeah. to that. That scene was just completely insignificant. Both of the scenes were insignificant. It's really, it's, it's a frustrating moment for sure. I, I definitely agree. Like, yeah. I like them to have a bit of closure. But all I can think is that, it's like what I said, that whole scene just feels like it's, it's saying... Yeah, Percy, you're kind of the reason why all the other demigod kids don't ever get to see their parents because your dad 
screwed up because he loved being around you and your mum so much, that law came into place that meant no one could be with their kids anymore. That's yep. it. That's literally it. But then also, <laughs> the writing inconsistencies come in because Luke is older as well as a bunch of other campers. Like We assume that they're probably older because they seem to have been there for a, a lot longer. But they none of them have met their, their parents before either. So if the law only came in after Percy was born, and obviously he's 16, but we've got other demigods who are clearly older than 16, surely they should have been able to meet their parents at some point. If that law wasn't in place. Well, that's what you would have thought. That's exactly what you would have thought. Yeah. It's just... It just doesn't make sense at all. Just The ending, like, I'm not too fussed about because nothing happens and nothing of significance is concluded. Like, everyone has completed, I guess, an arc. Grover getting his horns. I don't know what Percy got. Closure and his mum back, I guess. I don't even know. <laughs> Annabeth has got nothing because she's not even a character. She, <laughs> she she's just yeah. sort of there. She's uh, she? I, I put the, I just realised I put this in my notes. She's she's what's known as uh, there's this thing in like um, film and writing stuff that if you could replace a female character with a sexy lamp, they're not a good character because they they have no significance. Annabeth is that character. She could literally be replaced with a sexy lamp for a love interest <laughs> and it would change nothing. Nothing would change. <laughs> yeah. She could be one of those uh, hula, hula hula girls. You know? Yeah. Literally, she could be one of those on a yeah. lamp. <laughs> so literally anything. She could, no you could difference. change her for anything else and nothing would change. Like, there would be no changes to the story whatsoever. Like, you could remove her completely and nothing would change. Like, it's just... That's it. It's just frustrating because... <laughs> Literally. Her character was just so interesting in the books, and then we get nothing. Yeah, it just the film That's as a it. whole just feels really forgettable. I, he's a, Percy's the same person; he doesn't change, he doesn't develop. The story itself, like we mentioned, is basically like a game. It was like made to be a game. They go to point A to get to point B to get to point C to conclude at point B. Literally, I'm do you know, I'm actually going to quickly. Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. <laughs> I just want to check if this is a game. Game. Is it a game? <laughs> We're about to find <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Yes, it? it was. <laughs> On Nintendo oh, DS. Oh, my God. Is there a Percy Jackson game? Percy Jackson and the Olympians... Uh, the Lightning Thief is a video game developed exclusively for the Nintendo DS by the company Activision. Oh my god. So yes, it was a game. I don't know why... Probably wasn't a very good game. No. Because <laughs> the film wasn't very good, so no one wanted to buy it. <laughs> Probably. Uh. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had a final title for this movie. <laughs> oh. And it's called... Sean Bean doesn't die. <laughs> Starring the leader needs help, 2D women, and token black guy. Boom. It, We've got a yeah, movie. <laughs> honestly, 100%. That is basically the film. That's the entire That's film. Just, just, <laughs> nothing happens and nothing means anything. <laughs> nothing has meaning. That's it. 
That's it. And so I have one more question for you. Hit me. Okay. Not literally. Are you ready for this question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming through the screen. <laughs> Get your abuse tickets ready. <laughs> right. My question to you, because you clearly dislike this film about as much as I do. And I don't think I've come up with the conclusion myself either. Mm. Even though you don't know the question. <laughs> the question is, Fran, what was worse? Oh. The Last Airbender or Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief? Oh, that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no... <laughs> I think that may be what have I yeah, done I, oh, <laughs> I think that may be the worst question I've ever had to decide between I don't know <laughs> I don't think I've ever been more stressed out by a question <laughs> I have dyslexia and did exams <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's a difficult yeah. one isn't it it's a difficult one. Uh, I thought I'd have hit you with that. Yeah. On <laughs> weird flex, but okay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I don't actually know, because the, the, even though The Last Airbender is an abominable movie, it has a plot, it and does. it has, and you. Yeah. Yeah, you do get to the yeah, end. Yeah, and like everything that you that goes on in the story leads to something and a reason. But for Percy Jackson, there is like nothing means anything. Like nothing changes. Mm. Like, admittedly, like the characters in the Last Airbender are just as terrible, and they have no meaning or worth, no depth. Token word of the day. Mm. But <laughs> I think all the other horrible parts of that film aside, like the bad casting and all that sort of stuff. I'd have to say The Lightning Thief, I think, is worse out of the two of them. Just because... Do you think yeah, so? Yeah, just because I think story-wise, it's just... Considering it's a two-hour-long film, nothing yeah. happens. Nothing does happen. I feel like most most of most of the issues with, with The Last Airbender are down to, um, like we say, the casting. Um... But more so the acting ability of uh, Katara, mainly. Yeah. Um, but that's all down to direction, I mm. reckon. I reckon the director's gone, uh, you need to be, you know, a bit dull, a bit, you know, Edward Cullen about yeah. things. <laughs> you know, um, so, like, I I will say visually, The Last Airbender wipes the, wipes the backside of... Uh, Percy oh, Jackson yeah. and I was just about to look up when it came out as I think well. it's around the same um, time actually isn't it yeah I thought that too uh, 2010 yeah both both films came out in 2010 wow the yeah yeah the, the last airbender visually was so much more epic yeah um, the soundtrack is really good for that as well know? actually the soundtrack is brilliant yeah. it's not like the actual TV show level but that that soundtrack, it, yeah. the music has meaning. Like what you're saying with this, like the music in this doesn't add anything. It's just kind of there. But in the last Airbender film, exactly. it feels like it gives something. Okay, so I think I've got yeah. my answer. I th yeah, last the Lightning yeah. Thief, I think is worse in terms. Is the worst yeah. movie. So, so 
Why does that have a sequel? <laughs> and we still have no sequel for The Last Airbender. It, it should have had a chance to redeem itself. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. The Last Airbender was not a good movie uh, by any no. means. But it definitely had a better shot mm. uh, introducing uh, Toph. Yeah, you know, and Azula. Uh, introducing all these, all these new characters. Yeah, you know... Um, I think they should have had another chance, changed director, kept the art visuals, the, the mm. art department. Um, definitely. Yeah. No, I, I agree. But that's a whole, yeah. a whole, that's a whole different, different thing. discussion we, we, really, I'm gonna have to come. <laughs> I'm going to bring you back. We're going to have to review that film at some point, just like for another bonus episode <laughs> for this, to compare them as well. Because I think that it's a good point, yeah. especially with them coming out the same year. I didn't realise they came out in the same year, admittedly. Actually. But it's a good thing, it'd be a good thing to compare them. But... If you guys want us to do that, um, send um, Best Damn Camp an email or uh, DM us or anything like that. And I, I will bring Taylor back for Sea of Monsters if you guys want that. And also for the last Airbender movie for a bonus episode also. So yeah, let us know if you want us to do that. But uh, speaking of, Taylor, we have come to the end of this abomination. Abomination. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it took and, us a minute <laughs> yeah it took us actually how how long we're at, oh my god we're at two hours and 15 minutes currently <laughs> two hours and 15 yeah, oh my god yeah, yeah. i'm so surprised that my uh that i've been able to record for this length of time as well <laughs> that's amazing uh, wow well, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I didn't think we'd have this much to say. Like, we both had lots of notes, but I didn't think we'd be able to talk too much about it because we probably just like go straight into this is terrible. Next scene, <laughs> this was also terrible. But we just went into so much depth about all the things that were just kind of wrong with yeah. it. So but hopefully, no one can fight that. Right <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think it's nice to justify uh, by by means. To be honest, mm. I feel like you can't just make a point and then. Uh, you know, just step to the side and allow it to be, you know, um, there will be some people that will go, um, yeah, well, I think you're wrong for saying that because of whatever you said here or blah, 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 blah. But at least if they're doing that, they're backing up their points as well. Mm. I feel it's wrong to make a statement and not to back it up, to have any weight behind it. Just the same way that it's wrong to make a movie with no depth behind your characters, (laughs) you know? Mic drop. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So because we are coming to the end, as my audience knows, I always have a question of the episode for you guys to get involved with our conversation here and let us know your own thoughts. So for today's question of the episode, it is, what were your thoughts on the Lightning Thief movie? And if you could change anything about it, what would it be? and why now as always i will have the post on instagram for you guys to comment on or if you want to go into a lot of depth maybe two hours worth of depth you can send us an email which i will list uh in the closing section but it's also listed in our episode notes also but as we are coming to the end i'm going to give taylor here the chance to be able to shout out everything that you guys can go and support him on and anything else that he wants to let you guys know about so taylor over to you Okay. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like I explained at the, at the beginning, um, I've got uh, plenty of music out online. Um, I am in the process 
of getting new songs ready. I, I've got about two albums worth um, ready to bring out, uh, but it's all about who's going to listen to it. So depending, uh, this is why I've thrown out a YouTube channel just to see how many people are interested in, in hearing what I have now to offer. There's a major dynamic between what I'm bringing out on YouTube compared to the albums that I've brought out because um, of, as you would know as well, constant growing. Um, mm. You take a look back at what you've done and you're like, well, I could have done this differently. In fact, I could have done this, you know, and you take it on board and you go ahead and you start changing things. You progress in, in whichever way that you can. So um, the musics that I have to bring out should be coming out very soon it would be out in 2020 but until then we have if t wrote dot 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 on youtube um you can find different songs like uh the new ones uh no time to die i've gone back i've done landslide by fleetwood mac um i've done uh ho hey um and we are not ho hey oh my god hey ya by outcast <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um so uh it's like a mini series uh, and it's all about music and if you come in and you throw me a comment um i will always reply um i obviously have my instagrams and things like that but um yeah community is key um and if you want a song done um if you want a request i put them in a little hat um at the end of the weeks uh just after i upload on a sunday i put them all in a little hat and see which one the next song is going to be um and it's fun so give me your suggestions let me know what you'd like to hear um and yeah yeah that's me <laughs> and fabulous yeah so guys all those links and stuff will be in the episode's notes for this episode so you know check him out on social media i'll link uh the spotify youtube and all that good stuff for you so go check him out and if you can't use the link because admittedly i've tried to and sometimes it's a bit of a pain in the ass just search taylor paisley french um and name is in the episode notes so you'll know how to spell it there is a hyphen Occasionally I've forgotten it and it's taken me to something else completely. And it was a bit confusing. But that was me with my dyslexia. And I know some of you guys will be dyslexic as well. So just a note, just checking the episode notes for the spelling and you should be able to find all of this dude's fantabulous music. <laughs> now, <laughs> to close, I want to thank you guys for joining me and Taylor today for our discussion of, again, the longest title for a movie ever, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief movie join me <laughs> join me next wednesday as i continue our Ryaldenverse journey now to plug where you can find this podcast we are available on spotify apple podcast where you can leave a rating and a review audio boom stitcher and deezer in the meantime between episodes you can find the best damn camp on various social media at best damn camp pod on instagram and twitter and on tumblr at the best if you want to email me with your own thoughts, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com and I will read it out at the end of the show. If you want to support me making this content, check out my Patreon, A Healthy Dose of Fran. And on that note, be sure to check out my YouTube channel alongside Taylor's channel, A Healthy Dose of Fran, for more Percy Jackson content. I'm losing the ability to speak because it's been, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and of course, drop me a follow on my own personal um, accounts at a healthy dose of Fran on Instagram and at a dose of Fran on Twitter. Again, thank you, Taylor, for joining me. 
My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and to you guys for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I will see slash speak to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.